Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Arkea, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Remember your childhood fears? We all had something that scared us to death. If you love talking with your friends about these memories, then you are going to love Snarled's newest podcast, Scaredy Chat. Join our hosts, Monica Sariagi and Caitlin Riley, for the scariest and funniest moments of your lives, Mondays on Scaredy Chat. Our parents and teachers try to alert us to the obvious big things that we should fear. Going where we aren't supposed to, walking down dark alleys alone, are strangers with bad intentions. These things we can avoid, but it's the little things we don't notice. Those small, unexpected instances can sometimes be our salvation, but more often than not, it's the little things that kill you. First, screams of the dying ignored, followed by deadly camp secrets. Then the bluest eyes hide the loneliest soul. Finally, in our featured story, Cursed Revenge. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? It's the little things that kill you. Neighbors are supposed to be friendly and helpful, but you don't get to choose who lives next door, and you never know who they could really be. Like in this story, inspired by Maggie. I heard it happen first. 
the blood-curdling scream of someone close by. I jumped up and ran to the window. I didn't see anyone in the street. An eerie feeling hung in the air. I jumped the flight of stairs to our second-story apartment. My parents were having lunch on the public patio outside. I asked them if they had heard the scream. They hadn't. It had been so loud that I couldn't believe they didn't hear it. There it was again. Another scream of agony. This time, everyone heard. It sounded like it was in the house next door. Our neighbors, the Hutchells, had a reputation for being wild and creepy. The whole neighborhood shunned them, and they had had the cops called on them multiple times by some people across the street for reasons they kept private. Once or twice, I saw Mr. Hutchell yelling to himself in the backyard, throwing objects and punches in the air. His two kids were even worse. One was a little girl, Skylar, about seven years old, and the other, an older boy, Peyton. Sometimes, when I was eating lunch on the balcony or staring out my bedroom window, Peyton would stand in the yard, just staring at me. The girl Skylar had even growled at me before. Being a curious kid, my parents always threw the same quote at me every day. Curiosity killed the cat. I had heard that a million times and was getting sick of it. I insisted, so my dad went to the Hutchell's house and knocked on the front door for what seemed like forever. We couldn't really see from the balcony angle, but eventually someone answered because my dad looked like he was talking to someone. When he returned, he said, that Mr. Hutchell had said they were watching a loud horror movie and would turn it down. My dad shrugged and insisted I just ignore the scream for us to mind our own business. But my anxiety got the best of me. I was searching through the window, but saw nothing out of the ordinary. That night, after playing the screams over and over again in my head, I finally fell asleep. Two days later, we heard through the neighborhood gossip that the Hutchell's kid had gone missing. It was Skylar, the seven-year-old. I couldn't focus all day, let alone sleep at night. Instead, I peered out the window, staring at the neighbor's house. Then, in the corner of the window, I saw something move. It was a tall figure taking the trash out. In the middle of the night? Was that Mr. Hutchell? He didn't put the heavy bags with the rest of the garbage, though. He left them by the barbecue grill. I squinted to see closer, but it was difficult in the dark. But the trash bag had something poking out at the top. It was sticks. No, wait, it was fingers? My blood ran cold. It couldn't be. This was just sleep deprivation. I needed sleep. But the bag was right there. I could check it right now and be sure. I went outside and hopped the fence into the Hutchell's backyard. As I crept closer, the scent of copper began to fill my nose and mouth. The smell was getting stronger. I paused in my tracks when I heard someone unlocking the back door. I turned back and ran as fast as I could to hop back over the fence. I had been trespassing and could get in trouble. But I knew I had to do something, even if I was wrong about Mr. Hutchell and about Skylar being in that bag. 
I couldn't live with myself if I didn't tell someone. So I called the police. It turns out that I was wrong, and the Hutchels were far creepier than any of us thought. Peering through my window, I watched everything. I watched as the tall figure turned on the grill and began taking chunks of meat out of the bag and putting them on the heated slats. I watched as the police came into the backyard. One pulled a pocket knife from his back pocket and cut the trash bag clean open. I sat, horrified, as the blood of Mr. Hutchell dripped down the open sides of the bag from his cut-up body. As they were handcuffing Peyton and taking him away, he looked directly into my window. He stared into my eyes. He knew it was me who had called, who had seen everything. It turns out that Skylar was found later unharmed at a friend's house, but that the Hutchell children had feared their abusive father. When Skylar had gone missing, Peyton had started screaming in terror at his father. Peyton had feared that his father had killed Skylar and that he was next. So a couple of sleepless nights later, he had killed his father first. During the trial, Peyton pleaded not guilty due to self-defense, but he never did explain just why he had started cooking his father's corpse. Thank you so much, Maggie, for inspiring this very horrific neighborhood tale. And yes, Maggie, you're right. Virgos do rock. Happy birthday on August 28th. How about you, listener? Would you have been able to call for help? Or would you have kept quiet and minded your own business? And how about when Skylar went missing? Would you have searched for a missing person? Have you had to? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. (laughs) 
You can run from danger, but make sure you're running in the right direction or you will wind up dead. Like in this story inspired by Cammie. Cammie and her best friend Macy were excited to attend summer camp together. On their first day, they met the counselors and the new camp director. He was an older man, husky and tall, with a shiny bald head and cracked reading glasses. I'm Mr. McDowell and I've got my eye on you he said to Cammie and Macy playfully. But that gave them immediate strange vibes. There was something weird about him, something dark. Then they were warned by Kiala, a senior camper to make sure they go to sleep on time. Our Mr. McDowell will get them. Macy was spooked, but Cammie just figured that Kiala was probably playing a prank on them. Later that night, when they were headed to their cabin, They noticed someone in the woods, and it looked like they were dragging something quite large. The figure sat down the large object, looked around, then disappeared into the shadows. Cammie and Macy exchanged a frightened look and ran inside. It was time for lights out, but the girls were all talking about a camper that had gone missing earlier that day. This had never happened before and the counselors had called an emergency meeting and notified the police. Cammie thought about the creepy figure she had seen in the woods and shuddered. Macy and the other girls wound down and went to sleep, but Cammie was wide awake. She heard a strange noise outside and bolted up. She looked out the window and saw a figure out in the woods again. Suddenly, in the moonlight, Cammie could see that it was Mr. McDowell. Right before he looked right at the window, she dropped down to the floor. Cammie woke Macy, terrified. Macy, half asleep, muttered for Cammie to go back to bed. Just then, they were both wide awake when they heard the voice of Mr. McDowell right outside the door. Girls, what are you doing up at this hour? It's after lights out. The doorknob wiggled and the front door opened. Macy pretended to be asleep, and Cammie jumped back in her bed. They both listened as Mr. McDowell inspected every bunk to see who was awake, until finally, he left. Cammie rolled out of bed and jumped up. All of this was too weird. They had to get out and get outside help. Macy nodded and quietly got out of bed. They put their shoes on, snuck out of the cabin through the brush, and ran towards the highway. They continued walking down the road for a few minutes in silence until headlights appeared. Cammie waved down the car and pleaded for help, but as the car slowed, they saw that the driver was Mr. McDowell. Girls, thank goodness I found you, he said. Cammie screamed and jumped backwards, but he leapt out of the car and grabbed her arm. Macy cried for him to let go of Cammie, trying to pry him off of her. Mr. McDowell opened the back door and tossed Cammie into his car. Then he grabbed Macy and tossed her in as well. The girls howled and tried to open the door on the other side, but it was locked from the outside. They were trapped. Mr. McDowell calmly got back into the driver's seat and started driving, as if nothing had happened. Cammie looked over the back seat and saw a shovel with fresh dirt on it sitting in the open trunk space behind the back seats. She looked at Macy, 
grabbed the shovel and swung it at Mr. McDowell's head as hard as she could. His head slammed against the window as he was knocked unconscious. The car careened back and forth, then came to an abrupt stop in a ditch. Mr. McDowell didn't move. The girl sprang into the front seat, opened the driver's door, climbing over Mr. McDowell and out of the car. As they ran back up the highway, there were police cars headed from the camp. An officer stopped, jumping out of her squad car and ushered the young girls over. Both of them started talking at the same time about killers and Mr. McDowell when the police officer calmed them down as she started talking. She explained they were at the camp looking for a senior camper who had disappeared the night before. The senior camper, Kiala, who had last been seen dragging something heavy in a sleeping bag off into the woods. The girls were stunned. If the police knew who the real killer was, then what had they just done to Mr. McDowell? Thank you so much, Cammy, for inspiring this summer camp tale for us. Have you ever been to a camp where you had to sleep away from home? Are there any scary stories from your experience there? Tell us about it at somethingscary@snarl.com. Never play inside a stranger's house or you might not get out alive. Like in this story, inspired by Chloe. Nevin was playing with her little sister outside when a strange girl appeared at the end of their driveway, startling them. Nevin thought she was probably selling candy or something, so she sent her little sister inside so she wouldn't be tempted. Nevin waved off the stranger. Sorry, not interested, she yelled. I just wanted to be friends. The girl yelled back in a defeated tone as she turned away. Nevin felt bad, so she called her back, but immediately regretted her decision. This girl's face scared her. As she got closer, Nevin noticed her skin was pale, but not just pale, it was almost gray. The irises of her eyes were the lightest color blue and swallowed her eyeballs, showing almost no white. The strange girl walked right up and introduced herself. Her name was Laurie and she was actually the same age as Nevin. They made plans to meet again the next day at 4 p.m. to play. When Nevin went inside, her sister warned her that when she saw Lori walk away from the house, she seemed to just fade away. Nevin dismissed her. She told her that Lori had just moved in nearby and was just looking for a friend. That night, however, Lori's bluish-white eyes were haunting her. She couldn't stop thinking or dreaming about them. She thought she woke up and saw Lori staring at her through her window with those eyes. But then she actually woke up. It was just a dream. Or was it? The rest of the day carried on as a normal school day, but she was dreading 4 p.m. the entire day. As it approached, the rock in her stomach grew. She forced herself to go outside. Just like before, without hearing any footsteps, Lori was suddenly there. When Nevin greeted her, Lori's head was down and she didn't respond. 
Then after some time, Lori's head popped up. Hi, Nevin. Want to play outside? Nevin found this weird but moved on. She also noticed that Lori's skin seemed a little brighter, but she was wearing the same clothes from the day before. Maybe she had just been worn out from the move and hadn't unpacked yet. Nevin told her they could play outside after. First, they should go inside where Nevin's mom was, making cookies. No. Lori yelped. In that moment, Nevin's hairs on the back of her neck stood up as she thought she saw Lori's eyes flash red. Her personality then changed back again. It's so nice out. Let's stay out here, she chirped. So the girls went for a walk in the forest. Nevin kept asking Lori about her family and where she came from, but Lori kept giving short, nondescript answers and then asking Nevin the same questions back. After a while, Nevin had to go back home, but not before Lori had her promise they would see each other again in two days. Nevin felt it was time to see Lori's house. After a lot of coaxing, Lori reluctantly agreed, saying she would lead Nevin there. Lori led her through the woods to an old house that looked like it was falling apart. When they went inside, it seemed as though no one had been living there for a long time. There were broken floorboards and leaks in the ceiling. The whole house smelled like mold. Nevin was a bit horrified by this place as Lori motioned her over to her room. When she got inside, she noticed an old doll laying on the floor. When she went to pick it up, Lori screamed. Don't touch that. As Nevin let it drop to the ground, she noticed it looked like the doll had been sitting in a pool of dried blood. Nevin nervously tried to change the subject. They should go get ice cream. She was attempting to do anything to get out of this house. Lori agreed, and when they arrived at Nevin's to get money for the ice cream, Lori got uncomfortable, saying she would just wait outside. Nevin thought it was strange she never wanted to enter her house, but she ran in and was stopped by her mom, who wanted to know where she had been. Hanging out with Lori, the new girl that moved into the old house in the woods, she's afraid to come into our house, I think. Nevin's mom had a confused look, then asked what Lori looked like. Nevin explained she had long, pretty brown hair and was kind of pale, but had these eyes that were such a bright blue they seemed white. Nevin realized she had always worn the same outfit ever since she met her. Her mom's face wrinkled in worry as she went back into a back room for a minute. Coming back out, she told Nevin to show her which house. When they went outside, Lori was gone. Nevin led her mom through the woods in silence. Each time she looked back at her mom, her face twisted more and more into a horrified expression. When they arrived at the house, Nevin's mom burst into tears and she showed Nevin a photo. In the photo was a picture of Nevin's mom around the same age Nevin is now and a girl who looked identical to Lori. She was wearing the same outfit too. Nevin's mom explained that this was her best friend, Lori, who was murdered in that house 25 years ago. As the two collected themselves, they looked back at the house only to see Lori staring at them through the window. Her face was ghostly white and her eyes flashed red as her hand quickly pressed against the glass like she was reaching for them. 
They ran home and never turned back, hoping that neither of them ever saw Lori again. Thank you so much, Chloe, for inspiring this ghostly tale for us. How about you, listener? Do you now or have you ever had any friends you played with that your parents don't know about? Are they imaginary friends? Are they make-believe? Are they real? Would you be friends with a lonely dead girl? Our word is our bond. Broken promises often hurt the people we care about. But sometimes, when we break our word, the damages done to ourselves are far, far worse. And the only bond we're left with is with death itself. 12-year-old Atsuko recently moved to a new neighborhood with her family. She was very lonely and more than anything else wanted a friend. During one stormy night, she heard a small melodic voice coming from outside that said, My name is Lika-chan. Please let me in. I'm so cold. Atsuko opened the door but saw nothing at first. Confused, she finally looked down and right below her was a doll, one unlike any other that she owned. Atsuko realized it was Alika-chan. The dolls were famous in Japan. Similar to the American Barbie dolls, they came in a wide variety of styles. This one looked vintage and had long, silky black hair. It wore a striking yellow flower-printed kimono. It was beautiful, but the doll and his outfit were soaked from laying on the ground. Atsuko looked around for the doll's owner, but after seeing no one, she picked it up and brought it inside. Atsuko placed it on the kitchen table and went to grab a towel so she could clean it up. When she returned, she found the doll sitting there, looking straight at her, with its arm pointing her way. Atsuko could have sworn she did not leave it like that. But out of the excitement for her new toy, she laughed it off. She dried the doll off and dressed up its hair until finally it was as good as new. She played with the Lika-chan doll for hours and finally held it close and swore, we'll be best friends forever. No one will ever get between us. Now Atsuko was no longer lonely. And once she started up at her new school, she found she even had the confidence to make new friends. She decided to invite her two closest friends, Mizuki and Kyoko, over one day after school. When Mizuki spotted Atsuko's doll, she sneered and mocked Atsuko for still playing with dollies. She informed Atsuko that they were practically teenagers and only babies had dolls. Embarrassed, Atsuko shoved the doll into the trash bin and claimed it wasn't important. Kyoko was alarmed at this and warned both girls not to throw away Lika-chan dolls because they were known to be cursed. Kyoko explained that her grandmother told her stories about dolls that were thrown away, seeking revenge against those that disrespected them, even going so far as killing those foolish enough to disregard the curse. Atsuko started to remove the doll from the trash, but Mizuki laughed at them both for being superstitious. Only babies believe in stories like that, she teased. 
Atsuko looked at the doll. It almost looked like it was peering out of the bin back at her. Even though its beautiful features hadn't changed, it looked different now. It looked angry. Mizuki walked over to the bin and used her foot to push the doll all the way down. Out of sight, out of mind. Atsuko soon forgot about it, and her and her friends went on to have a fun day together. After they left, she felt uneasy about what had happened to the doll, but decided it was time she grew up. So, she left it in the trash. At school the next day, Mizuki never showed up, and Atsuko was immediately worried. Later that day, everyone learned that Mizuki had tragically died. There were rumors all around school that she had actually been murdered, and that when she was found, she had small puncture marks all over her neck. Atsuko knew deep inside that this was all her fault and ran home as fast as she could. She ran into her room and looked inside the trash bin, but the Likachan doll was gone. Was the curse real after all? It couldn't be. When her parents arrived home, they found Atsuko in tears in her room. She explained to them what happened and they comforted her as best they could and also reminded her it was trash day. The doll was long gone. They promised to buy her another and put her to bed for the night. Slowly, the doll and the horrible tragedy left her mind and she drifted to sleep. Suddenly, a familiar voice jolted her awake. My name is Lika-chan and you are a liar. Atsuko looked around her dark room, but the doll was nowhere to be found. Just as she thought her mind was playing tricks on her, the same voice cried. You said we'd be best friends forever. Something scuttled across the floor in the dark, and Atsuko stood upright on her bed. Grabbing the flashlight under her pillow, she braced herself in the corner, jerkily scanning the floor surrounding her bed. Breath gasping. Light swinging back and forth, but nothing was there. Then the silence was broken by a tinkling giggle, and the cursed doll spoke once again. You treated me like trash. This time, the voice came from above, and just as Atsuko looked up, shining the light above, the doll dropped from the ceiling, clutching onto her face. Atsuko tried to scream, but the sharp plastic hands of Lika-chan stabbed deep into her neck, over and over again. Atsuko tried to beat the murderous doll off of her while she attempted to stop the bleeding from her many wounds with the other, but it was all too much. Atsuko's vision dimmed, and at last, she saw nothing except death. The next morning, at a house a few streets over, a very lonely girl heard a small, melodic voice coming from outside her home. And like always, the cursed Lika-chan doll found a new best friend. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. 
If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.